more podcasts coming your way. This is number 357. It's another Q&A episode. Five great topics coming your way. Steve Smee and my co-host or host, uh, Ricky. What's up, buddy? Rick in the house. Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody else doing out there? Yeah, so we were talking on a pre-show about uh, about some nutrition and some fruit stuff. So um, we'll have to um, you know, talk about that in the future. But in this one, we're going to do a hardcore episode. We're going to have five steroid topics. And these are five topics we have not discussed yet on this podcast. Um, I handpicked these topics from the forums and also uh, emails that you guys have sent in. And we just haven't had a chance to talk about them yet. And they're very, very uh, specific questions about steroids. So you're going to want to definitely listen, listen to this podcast. So let's hit the first one first. The first one is, should I take oral steroids with food and or water? So Rick, I, I talk about that and then talk about also taking uh, uh, liver support as well. When you should take liver support, when you should drink the water, when you should eat around orals. I like to Good. take my orals. I like to take my orals on an empty stomach. I always have. I guess I'm pretty old school. I started uh, using steroids around the early 2000s, and there were a lot of pro hormones back in the day that I would use in and out. And you really want to do it in in as empty of a stomach as you can. It, that's just been my my opinion on it. And also, if you're taking liver support, some of these liver support supplements, you really want to take with a meal. You want to take with food. But you don't want them going through the gut at the very same time as the steroids. Uh, especially like if we're talking about Entogard, that's a pretty loaded liver formula. You want to at least have it be in the gut an hour away from when the steroids were there. So when taking something like Entogard, let's say I would take my steroid dosage early, early in the morning on an empty stomach. I'd get my cardio in. Um, now I fast, so I don't actually eat food until about four. So I've got a, a pretty good window of time to take my steroids. But if you're doing the six meals a day, you eat shortly after after you're done with your fasted cardio. Throw the Entugard in there. AC generate any of these herbs that need to rehydrate to go through your system that need all of your uh, stomach doing its thing, doing its digestive uh, duty in order to really get into your system. You want to take those supplements with food, plenty of water. And when you have these synthetic hormones, even SARMs, I really like taking them on as empty of a stomach as possible. It's not the end of the world if you have them with some food in there. It's not like you can't. But ideally, as empty of a stomach as possible, take it and take it far away from your liver support supplements. Don't take the milk thistle and the tutka and prekaleve at the same time as the orals. You're going to feel like you got bunk orals. They're just going to be deactivated in and out of your system pretty quickly, and you're going to think that you got slip bunk stuff. So that's the way I would handle it. Supplements, herbs that need to kind of rehydrate and go through your system with meals, plenty of liquid, uh, any kind of synthetics, steroids, SARMs, anything else you're trying, you're try uh, pro-hormones. Use uh, empty stomach, as empty of a stomach as possible, plenty of water too. What do you think, Steve? My, jur my journey with steroid use originally, I was in, I had the best, like I had really, really good gut health. I'd clean up my diet quite a bit in my mid 20s before I used steroids when I was about 30. And um, 
you know, I was lean. I was like 6% body fat, 7% body fat. I've been a runner, um, a pretty serious endurance athlete for a couple of years before um, injuries sidelined me. So I had to go back to weight training, which was my original bread and butter. And I really loved weight training. I realized I love weight training a hell of a lot more than being an endurance athlete. <laughs> running is uh, running kind of sucks, especially when it's like hot every day, you know? So, um, so anyway, I, when I, when I first started using steroids, I would take orals and they didn't bother my stomach. And then over time, after a few years, I started eating a lot more food. I started wanting the bulk. I started eating way more food, way more often. I started putting on a lot of size. So my gut health went, went down. Right. And even then on orals, they did not upset my stomach. Now on the flip side, you may have problems right off the bat with orals. You may have some stomach issues. So I would encourage anyone, if you take oral steroids, try Rick's strategy. But if you still have problems like heartburn, upset stomach, nausea, any of those issues, I encourage you try a different source, try a different brand, because sometimes that can make a difference. So don't give up on oral steroids if, if it's not agreeing with you. And if it continues to disagree with you, my gosh, you may have some serious gut issues going on there. So I would encourage you to, to think about, you know what, do I have regular bowel movements? Do I have uh, constipation? Do I have diarrhea? Do I get heartburn a lot? Do I have all, all these other issues that are related to the gut? And if you did before, and then you take oral steroids and it makes it worse, then that should tell you that I need to fix my gut health before I'm, I'm using these steroids. So use that as a wake up call. So, so try what Rick, Rick strategy. And then like, for me, I can take oral steroids on an empty stomach. No problem. Empty stomach, go work out. No problem at all. Um, so that's me, but you may be different. So you have to kind of experiment with it and see what's going on. So, you know, maybe, you know, maybe in my early twenties, I had a lot of gut issues in my early twenties. Maybe if I had taken oral steroids in my early twenties, I would have had problems that these guys are describing. I don't know. Um, my gut health has been very, very good ever since I was about 24, 25, when I really went back to eating clean. I had like a few years where I wasn't eating clean after college. I got, I got fat and lazy um, for a couple of years. So before I cleaned it up. So yeah, I mean, look into it guys. Those, those are some good suggestions. Any, anything else you want to add Rick before we move on? No, pretty, pretty simple one, man. This is a pretty, um, being on an empty stomach is way more important when you're taking compounds that are not methylated. That's just my opinion. So when you're taking maybe pro hormones or stuff that, uh, doesn't have the added group to help, to help it survive digestion, then you want to, then that's when you kind of really want to want to make sure you're on as empty of a stomach as possible. And uh, we've, we've mentioned in another show, grapefruit juice uh, will actually extend the life of some of these orals. Um, it will also extend the life of other medications you might be taking. It inhibits a very specific enzyme in the liver that breaks down some medications, some compounds. So grapefruit juice might be a, a decent uh, to stack a decent thing to, to wash down some of your orals with. 
All right. So the next one, the second one, this is another one that's interesting. Uh, this guy's saying he's been four weeks on test and 40 milligrams of D-Bowl. He's only up three pounds. So this kind of, uh, we, you know, we get these kind of questions every now and then on the forums. And uh, I always find these fascinating because, guys, it's not a black and white situation. Like, you can't just say, you know what, I'm going to take steroids and I'm going to gain 20 pounds or I'm going to lose 20 pounds or this or that. It's going to be different every time. So uh, this guy also had mentioned he ran another cycle brief before with just tests and he had tremendous gains. Well, my explanation for that is, God, it was your if it was your first cycle, you're gonna and you, you know, you were kind of underweight. You've got a lot of room just to grow that all that water weight and all that puffiness into your muscle. Most of your muscle is made up of water. So let's say you inflated like a balloon on your cycle and you gain like 10, 15 pounds, which is not that abnormal for a first cycle, especially with skinnier guys, you know, who haven't really built a strong base. I mean, heck, they can gain 20, 25 pounds even, especially if they don't run an AI. So if this go around, you're running the test, you're running the D-ball, and you're running an AI with it, that AI is suppressing your estrogen down and controlling the water weight. So it's conceivable It's conceivable that all that's happening here is you just didn't have that much room to grow. So, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, you have to look at yourself. Like, what did you weigh before your first cycle? What did you weigh post cycle and then what did you weigh before this cycle and what do you weigh now you have to kind of figure that out but i mean you're never you're not going to just improve in a, in a linear fashion it's just like the stock market you watch a stock like look at tesla stock over the past year it's up a lot over the past year rick but it hasn't just gone up every day there's been days where it's come down like 10 15 percent in a day and then the next day it's back up five, eight percent. So it's just not gonna go up straight up every day. It's just not that simple. And our bodies work the same way. If you just grew the same amount every cycle, if you gain 15 pounds in your first cycle, then you gain 15 on your second, then another 15 on your third, then another 15 on your fourth. After 10 cycles, you're gonna gain 150 pounds and you're gonna be uh, the next Mr. Olympia champion. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. So you have to kind of, you know, think about that logically. You don't just gain forever. And I try to explain this to people on forums and they think I'm an idiot for explaining this to them. But, you know, and then I tell them, I'm like, dude, if you just gain forever, everybody on the forum by now would be 400 pounds at 6% body fat and benching a thousand pounds. I mean, you just don't <laughs> improve forever. So you have to just accept that. And to be honest with you, three pounds in four weeks, that's almost a pound a week. I mean, so if you gain a pound a week for the next year, you would gain 52 pounds in a year. After two years, you gain a hundred pounds. After three years, you gain 150 pounds. Again, we're back to the unrealistic expectation thing. So you have to kind of get it out of your head that you're just going to improve in the linear fashion. And then the other simple explanation is maybe your gear might be a little bunk. I, I don't know if that's possible. So in that case, run blood work run blood work, and then you can see if your gear is legit. So those are the main two things I think could be going on here. But I don't think the gear is 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 bad because you wanted to gain three pounds in four weeks. But that's my opinion. All right, so I, I didn't actually address this thread. I didn't see the guy's full thread. Uh, I would need to really uh, speak to him 
and, and ask him a bunch of questions to really get down to what it could be. I wrote down seven tiny notes of seven things he needs to he needs to look at. And I'll go down the list real quickly. Number one, like Steve said, is your gear bunk? You could have gotten bunk gear. It does happen. Number two, maybe you added anti-estrogens and, and you really are overdoing them. If you do too much anti-estrogens with the Dianabol, you're not going to get that big bulky Dianabol gains, which four weeks on 40 megs of Dianabol, he, he should be good for 10 pounds. He should be good for 10 pounds. And maybe, and maybe eight of that will be water weight, but he should be good for about 10 pounds doing 40 megs a week. So maybe he's overdoing the anti-ease. And if you overdo the anti-ease, you don't get that conversion to methylstradiol from the Dianabol. So you don't get that additional water retention, that additional puffiness. It also diminishes the amount of gains you can get on the steroids. You actually need good normal levels of estrogen in your system to, to gain good muscle mass. So maybe he crushed it with the anti-ease. So it could be Bunko. He crashed it, crushed it with the anti-ease. Um, he could be maybe not eating enough calories. Remember guys that, you know, each pound that you actually uh, that you actually weigh it's 16 ounces. Each ounce is 28 grams of protein. So if you're trying to gain a pound of muscle, I mean, you've got to eat a good bit of protein to make up that muscle. If we're talking about just lean gains, maybe he's not eating enough. Maybe he made good gains from his last cycle. And going into this one, he didn't up his caloric intake to the right level. So that's another one. Also, uh, maybe he's just not training hard enough. Maybe you've gained strength from your from your previous cycles. You, you're up there, but you're you're like one of these guys that fills in the sheet every time they do a set, and you're keeping your weights and your and your reps low, well below what your muscle needs in order to be pushed. You should be taking every set to failure. You should be taking every set and not putting the bar down until it feels like someone's jabbing a, a, a knife into that muscle. That's how you get results. You know, everything we do, drugs we take, going to the gym, diet, it's just it's just for those extra two or three reps at the end of each set. So that's another one. Also, this guy could just be massive. You could just be a massive dude already holding on to a ton of muscle that your body is not wanting to hold on to. And then you, you add these steroids, you're gaining less mass. It's just like if a guy is fat and he's, 50, 60, 100 pounds overweight, he could lose, you know, 20, 30 pounds just cutting out sugars and, and replacing any kind of sweet drinks with water and getting rid of white of white bread. That dude who's 100 pounds overweight can lose 30 pounds effortlessly, 40 pounds effortlessly. But once you get down and you're only 10, 12, 13% body, 9% body fat, now you really have a hard time losing weight. Same thing with muscle mass. If your body's only, only holding on to 20, 30 pounds over what you can naturally hold, it's not that hard to hold it. But if you're already a big dude, big guy, and you're putting in just normal amounts of the same old steroids, you're just you're not going to see that, that continued growth. Because you already need, at that point when you're holding on to too much mass, you already need way more androgens in your system than your body could make naturally in order to hold on to that mass. So that's another one. Also, um, going back to the anti-estrogens and diet, you could be losing water and getting leaner as you're putting on some muscle mass. Or you could also be losing fat as you're putting on muscle mass. So on the scale, you get a gross weight gain of three pounds. 
but your net muscle gain might be more than that. You maybe could have dropped a couple of pounds of fat and a couple of pounds of water and put on, you know, 10 pounds of muscle, but you lost seven pounds of both water and fat, which is quite easy to lose seven pounds of water, guys, by the way. Just, just go run, break a sweat, come back and weigh yourself. You can easily, regular guys, you can easily lose two, three pounds just, just going for a jog. It, don't even ask a, a fighter or a boxer or something. Guys like, like that can lose 30 pounds in a day of water. So maybe you're a little dehydrated when you took your, your, your weight. So those are all just a bunch of things to consider. You know, when I, when I, when I work one-on-one with someone, we'd go down the whole line of what could be going on. But those are just a bunch of different examples how somebody could take this much steroids for four weeks and only see a, a three-pound gross gain. Um, that's it. That's all I got, Steve. Next one is, can I still cut on 800 milligrams a week test and 600 milligrams a week DECA? So, Rick, you're, you're on, on a rant. So what's your opinion on this? Test DECA at pretty high dose. I'm going to just straight up say that's high dosages. Those aren't moderate dosages. 1,400 megs a week? Dude, yeah. it's a lot. Yeah. Are you already uh, 250? Like, are you, if you're already holding on, to 50, 60 pounds of what your body could hold on to naturally, then yeah, every single cycle you go on might need to just you start off with a gram of juice and then you throw a little bit on top of that. Yeah, if you're holding on to that much mass. But if you're like a regular guy, you know, Bob going to the office and you're, you're not even that big, that's a lot of fucking sauce. But anyway, that being said, can you cut on that? Yeah, man, cutting is about caloric intake. If you are eating less calories than your body's spending, then you're going to lose body fat. You're going to burn body fat and cut. If you're on steroids, especially because steroids are going to prevent your, your body from really feeding on the muscle, on the energy stored in the muscle, and it's going to prefer the fat. And if you're training, you're doing resistance training, pushing your muscles to, to the pushing your muscles um, to exhaustion, then your body is going to spare that muscle. Keep it. Keep it for survival. We need it. We're using it every day. And then the steroids uh, and the steroids work. So yeah, you can you can cut on testosterone and decay. You can cut on anything. Are you going to look really sharp and polished like you would when taking maybe something like Anavar Winstrol that flushes some of that water from under your skin? No, while you're while you're on the deca and 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 testosterone cycle, you might actually you might be losing body fat, but your skin and your definition might not be getting that much better because you still get a little bit of water retention. Because these steroids are not really meant to, to get some of that water out from under your skin and, and really uh, make you give you that polished look. But will you have a, a net loss in body fat? Yes. Yes, because doesn't matter how much steroids you take, guys. If you are on a caloric deficit, you're going to lose weight. You're going to lose body fat, even on a ton of steroids. Steroids can only cause your body to be anabolic. They can't you can't run off of the, off of those. Well, if you want to get real technical, there's a little bit of calories in the oil that's carrying the steroids, but that's, that's a different story. But, but anyway, you, that's it. That, that's my, that's my uh, rant on it. What do you think, Steve? Yeah. Nobody runs testosterone ahead of a show. So, and in the seventies and eighties, and they never ran testosterone in their cycles because they were all about aesthetics so if you're going to run this type of cycle, 
don't run it if you want to cut down. The problem is Deca is really good when it comes to mood and appetite. And testosterone at 800 mg, you're going to get a lot of androgens. So most people, not all, but most people, when it comes to androgens, it does two things for them. It boosts their appetite and increases libido. But again, not everybody. Sometimes androgens do the opposite. Just depends. Especially if you have poor heart health. If you have poor heart health, it can actually do the opposite. You can actually be in a bad mood on androgens and be not having a good appetite. So I want to I want to use it for this. Um, even if you're eating in a caloric deficit, that doesn't matter because these steroids are going to add a lot of water. They're going to fill up your muscles. So. You know, I would say most people, even if you get in a caloric deficit, you'll still gain bloat in size on this. And then we have to factor in, are you running an AI? That makes a difference too. If you're not running an AI, you're, you're still going to put on size. Let me tell you something on, on trend. When I go on trend, I put on like five to eight pounds within like a couple weeks in, you know what I'm saying? So it's just so powerful. And these steroids were designed to prevent mass wasting. So that's what they're designed for. They're not designed to cut you down. So if you want to cut down, definitely I would not choose testosterone and DECA. If you want to cut down, I would choose something like Primo. I would choose something like Anavar. I would choose something like that um, instead. Or I would go with SARMs. You know what I'm saying? So that that would be my choices there or T-Bowl or something like that. Now, Masteron is a hardener. So running Masteron would be kind of a waste unless you're already low body fat and you want to harden up. Unless you just want to have harder muscles. I don't know. And then running Winstrol also is a waste. If you don't have – if you're not lean already, what's the point of drying out on Winstrol? It's just going to shed your hair, screw your prostate, and – cause other side effects. So uh, like dry joints. So, so no, I wouldn't run this. I wouldn't run the cycle. If you want to cut down at all, I would, I would, there is a much better idea. It's like Primo on Primo. You don't have a boost in appetite, even though it was designed for muscle wasting. It just doesn't boost your appetite like these other steroids. Cause it doesn't, it's not androgenic enough. So, but Deca and tests, are essentially the same thing. They're pretty much the same exact steroid. So when you stack that much, you're pretty much running one and a half grams of testosterone. <laughs> so you're going to blow it up. I mean, as much as you can run all day, you, unless you're running like Letro or something, I mean, you're going to blow it up and your muscles are going to fill up. So it's going to be really, really difficult to, to cut down on it. It's, it's just not a good option at all. And I don't think any person who's contest prepping and trying to, even for a bodybuilder, they wouldn't even go near either one of these compounds out of it. So I would say go DECA. You'd be much better shape using DECA than you would test because DECA aromatizes a, about a fifth or fourth less than testosterone does. So, um, but yeah, no one uses DECA or test ahead of a show. They'll stop. They'll stop them both if they were using them ahead of time. Uh, and just throw my opinion on this. Um, I wouldn't recommend anybody run DECA standalone out there i wouldn't recommend it standalone it, it's going to kill your dick it's going to make your dick not function properly not everybody but many guys will experience this problem with 
not having a full erection. It's like you're trying to shoot pool with a rope. It's not a good look. Again, not everybody suffers from it, but the guys that do, it's pretty bad. It's it's really, really bad, really embarrassing for the people that do get it. The next one we're going to talk about is minimum dosage of steroids to help with recovery to train legs. So this is an interesting one. You know what? A lot of people, Rick, um, I don't think you understand this. And I don't think I understand this, but, but a lot of guys, especially the long, the lankier guys, they have a problem on leg day because they have a really, really struggle on leg day. But us, you know, we got, we got strong legs. I mean, we got strong legs because of our, our, um, our body structure. So we have basically, we're like Barry Sanders. We have trunks, but if you're a lanky guy and you're struggling to bring your legs up okay because they're never gonna be able you're never gonna bring them up if you're a lane if you have a lanky physique compared to someone like us who has more of shorter limbs you're gonna be like well i gotta work out my legs more to compensate for that because my genetics for my legs suck so i gotta work them out more and what ends up happening is you'll you quickly notice like wow i'm working out a lot more and my calves really aren't growing. And then you're like, well, let me run steroids because if I run steroids, they'll help my calves recover quicker and my quads recover quicker, my hamstrings recover quicker, and I'll be able to work them out even more. So, yeah, I mean, so that's their mentality. And it doesn't work like that. You know, you can't just overtrain a body part. If the, if your genetics aren't good for that body part, then you know what? Your genetics aren't good for that body part. But so, you know what? My opinion on this is you just got to understand what steroids do. Steroids won't help you recover the way you think, because what happens is if you overtrain, you're still overtraining. The steroids won't prevent you from overtraining. So what I would tell you is just, that's the nice thing about weight training. No matter how bad your genetics are, you can still enjoy weight training. You can still push weight training. You still can improve. Just don't expect steroids to be the magic potion to give you great legs when your genetics just don't support having great legs. So that's the way I would approach this question. So it's not really about you know what, I'm, I'm running a half a gram of steroids and it's not working. So let me run a gram, you know, that's not working. Let me run two grams. Let me just keep increasing the dosage. And if I get to a high enough dosage, then I'm going to start growing big legs. I mean, I wish it was that, I wish it was that easy, but it really, really isn't. So, you know, anabolic steroids increase protein synthesis. Okay. And if you, you know, read some of the, uh, you know, watch some videos, read the literature, there's some information out there that they cut your recovery time in half, but that's not what it means when they say it cuts your recovery time in half. It doesn't mean that you get to just pound, do squats, pound uh, your, your legs every day and your legs are going to just keep growing. The growth happens when on muscles, when you're not working out, not when you work out, when you work out, you're breaking down the muscle. And then your muscle has to recover and hopefully it recovers stronger because you're training your body to want to improve and get stronger. So adding steroids to the mist will increase protein synthesis, 
Okay. And they'll do, they'll do some other stuff to get your, your muscles growing bigger. They'll fill the muscles up with some water. Okay. But they're not going to allow you to just overtrain the shit out of your legs and magically grow, grow your legs. So just a fair warning, go ahead and do it. But just a fair warning, you probably will be disappointed. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to say I don't like these type of questions, but these are like the, when you're asking the wrong question, are you stretching? Are you doing some, some yoga to get the muscle stretched out? Are you maybe doing deep tissue massage? If it's your legs, your quads, your, your hamstrings, your calves, you might be able to massage them yourself with a nice, uh, one of those nice wooden rollers. You might be able to do that yourself. Steroids, uh, they do help recovery a lot quicker. Yes, but you you notice the the recovery benefits up to the first uh, you know couple hundred um, couple hundred um, um, milligrams a week. After that, you're not getting any additional recovery. If anything, now you run into problems with muscle pumps and stuff. So pretty much most steroids, above you know between three to five hundred milligrams a week are going to give you improved recovery. That's just what they do. Are you going to recover any quicker at 1,000 milligrams per week? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think by the time you take 300 to 500 milligrams of almost anything any week, you're maxing out the additional recovery help and recovery potential those steroids give you. If you want something that is really focused uh, on recovery, S4 Andarin, Andarin S4, I think it's it's is a good candidate. Osterin, Osterin is a good candidate. Maybe uh, maybe GW were just uh, did a show on it. Some of these, even at a even at a smaller dose, way less than hundred megs a week, uh, two hundred around one to two hundred megs a week. I mean, very small dose, and the recovery on something like S4 or Osterin for your muscles at the small doses that you would take one of those will be much better, much better felt, much more noticeable than taking a gram of any steroid. That's just my opinion. That's just been my experience with it. Uh, out of all the steroids, which ones are good to recover muscle? Nandrolone is good. That cut, that cuts really good for, uh, for muscle recovery. I felt like Anavar is great for muscle recovery too. Is actually one of the reasons Anabar has been prescribed is for muscle weakness. So those two are good. You max out the benefits after, you know, a couple hundred makes a week. And some SARMs are going to be way better than those at a lower dose. That's the, my final uh, say on that. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you the secret to recovering your muscles. And this is something um, I learned when I was an endurance athlete, sleep. What happens when you sleep, when you sleep, your muscles repair and they recover. That's, that's the beauty thing. Another trick. Don't eat like shit. We were just talking about this on the pre-show. If you work out, you stress your body out. Then after you work out, you go eat crap. You stress your body out again. So eat healthy, eat nutritious and don't stuff yourself after a workout. Wait for your body to calm down. Wait for it to come. Wait for your heart rate to come down. Wait till your adrenaline to come down. Then you can have a nutritious meal. 
don't just leave the gym and slam a protein shake or slam a big greasy uh, food uh, from from Chick-fil-A or what or Subway or something or pizza. That's just going to stress your body out more. And that's going to actually delay recovery because now your body has to process that food. And the harder it is to process the food, the longer it will take for your body to recover. And then getting good sleep. We don't get good sleep in our society. We don't. Um, everybody is having a, a very unnatural lifestyle. I mean, we are overworked. We don't put enough time into sleep. And we all want to have the big house, the three cars, the boat, the three kids, the dog, the cat, and send our kids off to college, you know, that costs all this money. So we're all under stress and we don't sleep enough. And that's just how it is. You know, and that's just how it is. That's that's our that's our modern society. Unless you want to become like a bushman, Rick, and go live in the bush. And then this way, you you, you know, you won't sleep because you're going to be up all night scared that a lion's going to uh, break through your boma and eat you. So, look, make the most out of it, guys. Dedicate seven to eight hours a night of sleep. Eat healthy and you recover much faster. The steroids are not going to help you recover faster. They will help you build more muscle but they're not going to help you recover faster. That's just not what they do. I, I really wish they did. That would make life so much simpler. All right. So the last one we're going to do is why do we get small balls on steroids and how to stop it? So Rick, um, you get in there because I just did my little rant and explain to the guys how it works when you take steroids and then your balls start shrinking and explain why some guys don't have that happen on steroids and explain how you can prevent it from happening. All right. I will oversimplify the hell out of this so that I can condense it into a short talk for you guys, not to bore everybody out there. As we've said before in this podcast, your body has estrogen receptors in many different parts in different tissues have estrogen receptors. One of them or the one of the ways that your body detects and knows when it's making too much testosterone is it detects the amount of estrogens in your system, in your body. Uh, there are tissues in the brain around the hippocampus of your brain that can detect high levels of estrogen. How? There are estrogen receptors there. And once part of the brain detects higher levels of estrogen, it slows down. It inhibits that the, the chain of different hormones and carriers that stimulate the pituitary gland to produce its own hormones that stimulate your testicles, namely LH and FSH, which are made by the pituitary gland. When you have high levels of estrogen in your, in your body, and these two hormones are actually necessary for the Leydig cells in your testicles um, in order to stimulate those to continue to produce testosterone. Leydig cells in your testicles will only really produce testosterone while they're being stimulated by LH and FSH. Once levels of LH and FSH de decrease in your body, that is when your Leydig cells uh, begin to, or I should say, stop 
making testosterone slow down testosterone production because of the lack of that stimulation. This is this really is what's at the core of, of homeostasis of your body trying to find balance. There are a bunch of different feedback mechanisms in the endocrine system that are meant to make sure that your body functions properly. When there is enough, when there's enough food, enough mates, enough health, your body and enough youth, your body is producing testosterone at high levels. When there isn't enough food, enough mates, enough health, you're too old, then your body slows down the rate of testosterone production. Because the older you are, the, the more your body wants to preserve itself. And, and high levels of testosterone make you a, an animal. You know, you want to get out there. You want to fight. You want to mate. You want to kill. So as you get older, it's just normal that levels of testosterone drop. Even when you pair with a mate, when you, get a, uh, when you live with a wife, there are studies that show that men that live with a girl actually have lower testosterone levels naturally. So it's all feedback loop. And basically, it comes down to LH and FSH. How do you stop it? And why does it happen to some guys and others not? There is always that genetic always play a role. Some people's uh, testes are more sensitive to the absence of LH and FSH. And so they're going to shrink up right away. I know in my case, my left ball will shrink well and get softer well before my right one will. That's just for some reason that one is is more sensitive to the to me lacking LH and FSH in my system. Taking some anti-ease to control your, your estrogen levels do help. It does go a long way, but it's not everything. Uh, something like Clomid. Clomid is a selective estrogen receptor modulator. Now it's selective to the estrogen receptors in your brain. That's why when you take Clomid, it blocks your real high levels of estrogen, your methylstradiol from your dianabol blocks all these other estrogens from signaling the brain that there's high estrogen. And so your body will continue to make LH and FSH. When it comes to something like Novadex, again, another selective estrogen receptor modulator, it's going to select the estrogen receptors under your nipples. That's why Novadex is really well known as a cure for gyno, gynecomastia, while Clomid, not so much. And this is why Clomid has been known to actually help you get back to natural testosterone production. And Novadex, not so much. They both have some overlap, but they're very specific ways of, of working. When it comes to taking natural compounds, natural products like my N2 Generate, which I make through my brand N2BM Nutrition. If you guys want to learn more about N2 Generate, go to hcgenerate.com. It has several different ingredients that have different jobs. Some of the ingredients are helping to mimic what Clomid does. Other ingredients are directly promoting the secretion of LH and FSH. Uh, other ingredients are directly uh, going to stimulate the Ladex cells to a degree. When you use a, a natural over-the-counter testosterone booster like my product, you're not just taking, you know, 50 milligrams, 25 milligrams like you would take of Clomid. You know, you're taking about three to four grams about per day of these herb extracts, and they cover a whole range of different things, a whole range of different ways of helping you get your nuts to grow back and helping you to recover. It will even increase the amount of, uh, of volume in your semen. 
I mean, it'll do some 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 great stuff for you guys out there that are on the steroids that are using these drugs. It's probably one of the more interesting part of your system. And yeah, I mean, it's, it just goes with the territory. Also, guys, when your nuts have shrank a little bit and you take my Intergenerate product, you're going to get a little bit of, of testicle pain as they're getting back to size. That's actually pretty normal. I just want to throw that out there because... Just the last month, a couple of guys have reported it to me and I've, I've just, I don't remember a lot to mention that out there for guys that you're going to feel a little bit of pain in your nuts as, as they're getting back up to size. And that, that's pretty normal. Yeah. And Rick, and Rick summed it up. Yeah. If you want to keep your ball size, that's, that's what you got to do. Um, you can, you can run that, that into generate the herbals will definitely do it. They'll plump up your nuts. Um, and you know, some guys just, if you're on like a long-term HRT, some guys just let their uh, balls shrink up. I actually tell, uh, had a woman tell me, you know, years ago, she's like, you know, I was, I told her, I was like, you know, my, my nuts shrunk up because I'm taking, I'm taking steroids. And she's like, it's like, Oh, I just thought they went up right back up into you. She, she, she didn't see them. So, but on women, you know, uh, they don't really notice like your balls. So, I mean, I don't think it's that big a deal to have them shrink up, you know, I don't think it's that big a deal. And they, you know, you know what, what, we know what bothers guys a lot. A lot of the guys that, that buy from my store, they're already on TRT. Uh, the, the decrease in, in semen volume is one when your testicles shrink and you're on, and you're on TRT for a long time, you just, you don't have that much volume. And two, sometimes the old lady, uh, the wife don't, don't like uh, the nuts, not being there, not, not slapping around <laughs> when they're, uh, when they're making love, it just, they just don't mm. feel right about it. So a lot of guys, even though they're staying on TRT, they'll take the, the end to generate. Um, look, I had a, a guy tell me straight up said his, his old lady liked to feel him, you know, come inside of her, like to feel the, the warmth of his semen inside of her, you know, and, and he, she liked it all over herself sometimes, you know, skeet, skeet, skeet. Do you like to feel it too inside you, Rick? She was into all of that. <laughs> so, so he didn't, you know, when he, when he got on TRT, he felt great. Everything was good, but his semen volume started to decrease and that, you know, she, she wasn't happy with that. She really, uh, she, do you think you know, these like porn that. stars use a shitload, shitload of herbs? Like they yes, use a shitload yes, of herbs. Yes. Uh, like in the old days, especially like back before they had, you know, Clomid was around, the, the, they would have they, to, you know. In N2 Generate, the Tonga Kali and the Fedoja Agrestis, those two are really going to, to be the ones that are really going to going to increase that volume for that, you know, skeet, skeet, skeet. Back in, uh, back in like the 60s and 70s, have you ever seen like those old porns? Like, you know, like they, they had some big volume, so they had to have been taking something back well, then. What, what some of know? those uh, porn stars do apparently is they don't have uh, ejaculation for a, a day or two before the shoot. And that, so that way, when they when they do uh, ejaculate, they, they they have big volume. Also, uh, sometimes movie magic comes into play, and they'll just they'll make it look like there's a lot squirting out, but it could be you know just turkey basting it out, some some kind of a, a, a mix like mix. I mean, there's a you lot were, of movie you, magic you, that goes into it. You did some movies down in Colombia, right? What are they called? What, what were the movies called? The guys want to look them up. <laughs> Yeah, big uh, we did movies like the seventies, big big bushy genitals and, and a bass solo in the background. I like the the Rick Brazen video. <laughs> uh, you see, there you go, mention them again. You got we got 
you got a, a you and mobster got a bunch of hate comments from people really upset about your Rick Drayson episode. And you yeah. mentioned the guy again over here. Was so Rick Drayson got, was a porn star? He did some porn, but his his YouTube videos, he always got like that porn music to start the <laughs> I don't know why he did that. I think it was a so, subtle message. Yeah, yeah it's like it, that that bass solo in the seventies for the porn movies. It's just it's just a classic. Yeah, you know, Sylvester Stallone did porn. So I've heard. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so I've heard. So I've heard. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen it, but I've heard he did. Yeah, you're gonna after we get off, you're gonna look it up, aren't you? What was that? <laughs> I said after we get off the podcast, you're gonna Google it, aren't you? Sylvester Stallone video. <laughs> 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 that's funny would you ever do that would you ever do that uh, you know he, he he you know he sounds like he's coming when he's just having a regular conversation i wonder what you know when he's because <laughs> he's got that what he's he's got that voice and, and twist his lips when he talks kind of funny yeah i think we we did a uh hardcore episode with Sylvester uh, about sylvester stallone so yeah we did it you know uh, i was i was on a on Facebook today, somebody said that they like the podcast and they like the episodes I, I do with you, breaking down what people might have taken. I think there might be a, a one or two people out there that think that it's it's when you're doing the show with Mobster that it's me with a different voice or something. It's funny. You could do you do a, the, the the Welsh accent. I I can't I can't. That'd be good. You know, like uh, actually, there's these podcasts. It's all just me. I just throw my throw my. Uh, voice like you don't exist rick it's just me doing your voice you don't exist you're imaginary <laughs> figment of your imagination yeah i'm because i used to do ven ventriloquist so i, I practiced this and i can so it's uh yeah we're pretty much the same thing i heard that a good ventriloquist can always pronounce it <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right, guys. So, yeah, guys. So, I definitely take Rick's advice. Go look at that Sylvester Stallone porn. And, uh, <laughs> and you could, uh, that's what <laughs> that's what we'll do, guys. Yeah, dudes, well, these herbs, yeah, these herbs, guys, have been used for many, many years. They've been using these herbs like in Asia and Africa for like hundreds of years. So, Thousands of years, some of them. Yeah, they they really do work. And um, yeah, man, give, give them a shot, you know, for sure. When you take my uh, H, go H, cgenerate.com when you go when you take my uh and now we call it into generate because uh our our credit card processing banks didn't like uh, didn't like ac generate but when you take these herbs you're basically getting what would used to be the local medicine from different parts of the world you know got tribulus from bulgaria we have the the Fidogia agrestis from Africa. We have fenugreek, tonkata lee. Uh, we have just different ingredients in there from different parts of the world. And at some point or another, before you can get all of this in one bottle from me already with the herbs dehydrated, people used to go um, with a gift to the hut, the shaman, the medicine man's hut, give him a gift, then uh, meats, foods. Trinkets, anything, and say, "Hey, my dick's not working. Hey, uh, I want to have children. Hey, help me out." And he would give them one of these herbs, you know, whatever he had available to him locally. They knew. And nowadays, after after hundreds of years and thousands of years of this going on, now we get to put them in a supplement, and you get uh, the best from around the world, all in one in one capsule. But people have been taking herbs 
forever. Uh, people have been, men have been wanting to fuck and have good sex before there was even language. You know, if you go back the, the empires of old, those kings had many wives. It wasn't because they didn't love fucking. People have always loved to have sex. So medicine men have been providing sexual aids and sexual uh, enhancement products to people for ages and ages and ages. And just now we, we get to take all of that old knowledge and put it into a capsule, into a bottle, in a very modern uh, presentation and ship it to your doorstep. And it'll be there in two to three days when you order from me. So get up on it, guys. HCGenerate.com. And the product is N2Generate. It's the best one for libido to grow your balls back, to have that, that good semen volume. If your lady likes to, likes to fill up, you know, if she likes to drip on the way or walk to the bathroom after you have sex, that's what you need. The ball. I said balls. You said it with that New York accent. Balls. I've been in Long Island already a couple of, couple of months, man. It's really starting to catch on again. I was gone for about three years, but I'm back now. It's starting to catch on. You're back. What was your accent in Vegas? Like a mix? It was it was just it's more neutral than anything. Where were people from in Vegas mostly? Oh, they're from all, all over, over the place. All over the place. Matter of fact, they're not a specific area. They're from probably California, right? Well, no, everybody's there from all over the place. It's funny enough. Like, okay, so I, I ran into two buddies that I went to high school with. You know, one one of the guys uh, that I well, he was a few years older than me. He was out of there before I got to high school. Uh, James Reynolds, he's a, a actor, fighter, all kinds of stuff. Uh, he was a uh, graduating when I was a, a freshman, uh, and they're both from from out here, from Long Island, from my town, from Freeport. And I ran into them out there. R run into a lot of people. You know, there are some Vegas people that've been there the whole life. But for the most part, it's a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people that are kind of just starting over, a lot of people that are retiring, a lot of fighters, a lot of foreigners, uh, Brazilians, Russians going into the fight gyms, uh, a lot of guys from different parts of the country trying to make it in the boxing business, fight business. Uh, one of my neighbors that I was really friendly with, the this cute little blonde chick that I was really friendly with, uh, she moved from some, uh, I think, Wisconsin or something for a job at a casino doing some kind of of programming and stuff for their uh, for their operations so definitely i noticed when i was in in vegas uh, a lot of uh, people from all over the the country uh, looking to start over a lot of people going there for the new uh, pot business cvd and all those things so it's a, it's a mix vegas is a cool spot man it's, it's when you have a city like that from people all over you're going to see like a mixture of accents and you're, you know what I'm saying? So now that you're back in Long Island, it's all people because nobody moves to Long Island. Yeah. You know people, people move out of here. Not yes. so much in, I believe. Yeah. Yes. It's a quarter of the population of the United States was originally from Brooklyn. Did you know that? It's true. Look it up. Really? Yes. He's either they either immigrated through Ellis Island mm -hmm. or they're from Brooklyn and then they they went off. So that's yeah, it's a big, um, you know, big. So you, you're born and raised in Florida. Yeah. You've never lived anywhere else but Florida. Yes. How far from, let's say, the town you grew up in do you live now? 
about two and a half hours. From the town you grew up in? Mm-hmm. Damn. Wow. That's pretty close. Do your parents live in that town still? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do you move so far away from, from your rent? Um, I, I moved down here to raise crops and God willing a family. <laughs> <laughs> why, why do you move so far away from home? Huh? Why, why'd you move far, far away from home? Well, I, we moved far away from home, but with my parents. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. So, um, <laughs> is this another topic? Yeah, no, 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 a, no. I, I moved. I moved where I live. Guy, I live like in a beach area. I like the beach. I like fishing. I like boating. I like. Uh, I like. It. I like it, man. I mean, I like the. You know, I just. I just like. The, I, I like living in a coastal town. I mean, I. Free, free Let me tell you something. I'm, I'm gonna tell you something. I live. I, I'm, I'm gonna tell you something else. Like, living close to the beach is great for your allergies. Because things can't live in sand. Plants have a hard time living in sand. So the closer you are to the ocean, the better. If you're allergic to plants and flowers and, and, and trees and pollen and shit like that, you can move closer to the ocean and you don't got to worry about allergies. That's, that's the big one. That's the big one. You know, I, I, like, I like the weather in here in Long Island only around two times of the year. Where it's like the peak of summer or christmas winter but allergy season oh man it's so hard out here and now the season we're in now where it's going from like summer to fall like where we're getting close to halloween and there be days like three four days where you go out and the sky is just cloudy the sun just doesn't peek through that's one thing that i really liked about las vegas is it was a sunny day every day like fucking Groundhog Day. Every day was the same. It's pretty cool. Where here, you you kind of remember the days because, oh, that day that it rained. Oh, that day that it was really nice and warm. Oh, that day that I had to run back to the house and grab my jacket. And it, it gets, I, I get seasonal depression kind of. I feel like when I have three, four days where, where it's just gray and you don't, you don't actually see sunlight, man, does that not feel good? Not feel good to me. So it, it's... Although yeah. I love living out here because of family, because of the, the schools for my kids here are great. Everything, it's, you know, everything's close by. It's like everything's close by and there's everything here the way it is in the city, but without the chaos, it's actually nice and quiet out here. So that that's kind of cool. But man, those two seasons, bro, going, going into like spring when, I mean, just... I, I've got sniffles all day, every day. It's just terrible. We are we are tropical species. We evolved from Central Africa, the rainforest. We belong in a warm climate. And a lot of people like to argue that with me. But if you go in the, in the cold weather outside naked, you will literally die within minutes. If it's cold, really, really cold, you will yeah, die. Our, our bodies body. adapt to cold pretty good, though. Over time, if you give it time, your, your, your blood gets thicker. I mean, your body will adapt to cold. Right, our body can adapt. That's why yeah, over you know, time. People, people spread. But I'm saying if you go outside in the cold, if it's zero degrees outside, you go out in the cold naked, you will die within minutes. We're not bears. We don't have coats. So we're really designed to not have clothing. Like I go shirtless 95% of the time. The only time I wear a shirt is when I go to a store. If you wanted to, your body can adapt. You know, there's the polar bear club. Guys go basically in bathing suits into the ocean and in freezing weather. Uh, there's a dude 
that actually ran in the snow barefoot, like in, in underwears or something. For no, I know, Rick. Miles. I know, but I'm saying so, that's I mean, why, our bodies are able to adapt, but you're, you're but talking that's about the regular person. Yeah. But that's why you're depressed is because you're living somewhere where our bodies don't belong. Plus, look at your skin color. You don't belong at that latitude regardless. You belong closer to the equator. Was your you skin know, color? You know what? Uh, not everybody that I know suffers from this from the seasonal uh, depression. Like my ex wife, she fucking loves it. She loves it when it's cold and and dark. She she just she she likes it. She doesn't like the summer and the heat. Do you have a basement? Like Do you have a basement? No, not here. Not here. Yeah, well, I don't think. Long, but like like those houses up north, they have basements. You can like look out your little basement window and see snow on the ground. You have like a little palm, a pine tree, like a Christmas tree in the yard with snow hanging from it. That's beautiful. Man. That's actually what I like about Christmas. I said like the height of Christmas, like the height of the winter around Christmas is actually nice because even though there's snow, it's pretty sunny. It's pretty sunny out. And with the with the frost and and you get more light reflection. I think it's a light issue. Um, I should get one of those. Um, I should get one of those lights that and turn it on every morning um, to to replace kind of sunlight and get get that in my eyes a little bit. You could be like a lizard, like the you know, like if you get a lizard, you have to get them like a light a heat heat lamp. <laughs> just a, <laughs> like a lizard. <laughs> just the just the darkness of it. Like that's one thing when I when I started spending more and more time in Colombia, in Bogota, the capital is is high altitude. And sometimes it'll just drizzle for two, three days in a row. No sun. It doesn't really pour. It just like like tiny little misty drizzle. Three days in a row, no sun. And I thought, and even though it's not, it's not as cold, I thought that was kind of that was kind of dumb. Now, I lived in Florida. I lived in in other parts of Colombia, Vegas. It's just sunny every day. And if it rains, it'll rain for maybe an hour or two, and then it and then it's sunny again. I like that. I like being able to. I like seeing the sun. For I mean, every single day. I, I don't. I don't like. Uh, I don't. It just don't do well when when there's days and days and days of of just no no sun peeking through the clouds. It's kind of shitty. Yeah, it's gonna be okay, buddy. You'll hang in there. We'll we'll get we'll you push through. through. Push through. Uh, I'm we'll, gonna get one of those lights. Uh, it's what I'm gonna do, man. Uh, now that I'm here uh, full time. Right. Just don't burn down the house. <laughs> I'm sure like, make sure make sure you you know have like something around it where yeah, it just put it put it put it put it behind my monitor and then when I when I come into uh when I get sit on my monitor in the morning just flick that fucking thing on and it it, it should be good. Uh, you can buy I like know, a cat by a fireplace or a lizard. <laughs> sunning itself in the sun like a iguana like sunning itself in the sun yeah there's there's there is definitely uh something about sunlight that helps your mood uh, i'm not the only one that, that knows this yeah some it's good for the it, bones some of us get it get it get it worse than others and like i said man my my ex-wife uh she loves cold dark weather she hates sun and heat and moisture she just she hates the summer. She's in she's in AC the whole time. But winter, man, she'd be loves it. Loves it. She loves being out and about when it's like 4 p.m., 5 p.m. and it's fucking dark already and cold. <laughs> the sun hasn't shown through in three, four days, and then it's it's you know 5 p.m., 5 30, and it's pitch dark. She yeah. she loves that stuff. You know, you ever use an infrared sauna? 
I've done tanning beds. Um, take when I'm juicing, I'll do the tanning no, but infrared beds. sauna is different because it's different? you're getting sun without the harmful UV rays. So it's interesting. Different. I used to use um, at my gym and they used to charge you, you know, an extra every month, but I would, you know, I would be like 12 bucks or 15 bucks a month and I would go do it. And when I'd sit in the sauna and that infrared sauna, I, I, man, I swear to God, it like makes your mood so much better. It's amazing. So look into that. You might just go do a infrared sauna for like 20 minutes and, and you'll feel, you'll feel better. I swear it works, man. Like just being, but if you don't get the, you, the harmful UV rays, like a tanning bed, you would, it's not like dangerous. It's not going to give you cancer. You get all the benefits of the sun without the dangers of the sun. It was actually pretty cool. Sounds awesome. Yeah. It one day, one day you work hard and you'll be able to buy one for the, and put it in your house, you know? All right, guys. So this was number 357. Steve Smee and Rick, we will talk to you guys next one. I hope you enjoyed it and you stay sticked around to hear us uh, bullshit. And if not, we will we'll talk to you guys next week. Otherwise, have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys. Guys, this is the required legal disclaimer. We are only sharing our experience from years of steroid use. We are not doctors, and none of what we say should be regarded as medical advice. Always check with your doctor before taking any drugs or starting any training program.